Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Welcome to Mac and Blue. I'm Robert Johnson, Vice President of Business Development with Tory Contracting. He is JJ Levinsky, President of Blue Wave General Contracting. Hey, JJ. Hi, how are you? Good. We've seen each other all day long. We've I probably know. spent more time together than we have ever. Well, I wouldn't say ever, but it was a close second. Yeah. 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 And it feels good to be back in the studio. Yeah, it does. Because we did do a because technically last Monday was Labor Day, so we had a recording. Yeah, we had a We made it look live, but it really wasn't. It wasn't live. Yeah. So we haven't been able to, to sit down with Daryl, uh, Daryl, our producer. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, good. <laughs> our our pincushion, awesome. our yeah, harassment. Yeah, yeah, he was like, is that all you're going to say? You're going to be nice? Yeah, uh, good Today, to see you. Well, at least now. Yeah. Give it another 10 minutes and yeah. it'll be a different but story. Good to see you. Good everything, to see go, you. everything okay? Everything's amazing. Happy to be here. Okay. All right. We're happy to have you here. And... We are really glad to have Malina Deer and Aaron Studebaker. I got it right, didn't I? You got it right. <laughs> and I was going to say, like the car. Uh, like the car. Uh, like he never. I have never heard of Studebaker. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I, they used to have one. Thank you both for being here. Uh, both of them are with Salt River, Pima, Maricopa Indian Community. All right. Yeah. SRPMIC. <laughs> Gold uh, star for getting that right in the first try. Yeah. I studied for hours. Thank you. Molina, introduce yourself. Tell us tell us what you do sure. with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having us here mm-hmm. today. So um, I am the tourism manager for Discover Salt River, which is the tourism division within the Salt River um, community. And so we work um, as an official destination marketing agency for all of the partners within the community, within tribal boundaries. Mm-hmm. And we also kind of help with B2B relationships, keeping our networking really strong within the community. And so, yeah, all of those great things kind of tie into Aaron's um and he'll, he'll, I'm sure we'll go into what he does, but, you know, we work really well as far as start to finish from the developments that happen within um, tribal community. Awesome. Erin, she said that you work very good together and we'll find out about what you do. So tell us, I, I'm tell interested us. to see if they're going to fight by the Yeah, tell us exactly guys. what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, no, we, we do work very well together. We actually work across the hall from each other. Oh, thank so, God there's a hallway. I, I, yeah. Exactly. We can both shut our doors if we, uh, we need good. to. So I, I'm a, a project manager in our community okay. development department within Salt River. So between Melina and I, we, we kind of cover all development from before a shovel goes in the ground. You're the early one. Uh, I'm the early one, along with, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other great mm-hmm. staff within our department. And then Melina's team, kind of once properties open and are operational, they come on board and they kind of help with the continual marketing of it. So, you know, we're a very relationship-built organization. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we like to, to introduce uh, individuals and developments to all parties from the beginning. So we say, all right, you may not have uh, finalized a lease. You may not have broken ground. But here are all these people from, you know, beginning to, you know, maybe 10 years from now that you're going to be working with. So um, I get the great opportunity to kind of work on a lot of the elements of, of uh, the 
the, the development process within the community, again, with a lot of other individuals within the community development department and uh, help the continued growth of, of Salt River. Interesting. I think one of the biggest questions, and maybe Melina, you can help, when it comes to the tribal lands and specific, like how how it's, what, what's the right word, bifurcated around the, the valley. Can mm-hmm. you, when you, you said the word boundaries, can you define like where the boundaries are for you guys? Yes. So Salt River lays on 52,000 um, acreage and development essentially only happens on what we call the Western Corridor, which is everything between Pima and the 101 Freeway. Oh. And it runs up in North. Uh, south and north about 14-ish miles, um, starting at ki- pretty much Via de Ventura and then coming down southward. So. All the way ra- all the way to the, like the, what, the 202 and the mm-hmm. whatever they, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys are right there across from Tempe Marketplace. That's your southern yep. west border. Okay. And you said the, the northernmost, like it starts about Via de Ventura? Yep. So about where Talking Stick is? A little bit more north than that. Um, so the edge at, I think it's called Pima Center, mm-hmm. uh, or is kind of like where Dutch Bros is. Mm-hmm. That's always like a good landmark for people. That's basically the the most northern border. Interesting. Before we jump into all the nuts and bolts, I think you mentioned um, in some of the pre-show notes, the SRP MIC, for the sake of, of time and trying to say that over and over again, you said is made up of two, primarily of two tribes. Yes. So to, I had never, I didn't never know that. I, yeah, yeah. I can kind of go into yeah, yeah, our history a little bit. Uh-huh. So I, I we'll start with the name. We, we can break down mm-hmm. the name, the Salt River, Pima, Maricopa, you know, Indian community. So Salt River, Pima is one tribe and that's how you would say it in English, but we actually refer to ourselves as the Akimil Ahatham. And, I have uh, heard that before. Yep. Yes. And mm-hmm. so that translates to Salt River people. Mm-hmm. And then Maricopa, which we refer to ourselves in our language as Ashidampipash, which uh, translates to people who live upwards of water. So it's two distinct tribes. Um, we've had, you know, generations and uh, of uh, living together mm-hmm. in the same area and that sort of thing. And so when the community was created by executive order. Mm-hmm. Our tribes were placed together in the same geographical location, but two different languages, two distinct cultures, mm-hmm. um, you know, even in kind of um, design and art and things like that, you'll see kind of some differences as well. So Very interesting, yeah. but have done everything together mm-hmm. from the beginning? Yep. Wow. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily. Where, what do you, yeah. what do you constitute Well, the yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for a long time. Yes, for okay. a long, since pre-contact. Okay, awesome. Now, let's get into the good stuff. And I know this is the stuff that I get asked all the time. I want to build something. And I'm like, oh, man, look at all that land. I can just go out. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to buy me a chunk of land <laughs> right there off the 101. And I'm going to build me something. That's not how it works out there, is it? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, to, to kind of take it a, a step back and kind of also piggyback mm-hmm. on, on what Melina said, you know, when, you know, the, the land was really the boundaries were created, the, the community was also parceled out. So there were different parcels that were given to different families within the community oh, all throughout the community boundaries. And, and uh, you know, way back when uh, there were actually two different grouping of parcels that were given, you know, given a, you know, one grouping of parcels way on the east side of the community uh, that was at that point kind of in the, the rich land where, you know, the Salt River 
overflowed and, you know, that the water was essential for living. So, right. you know, that was kind of the prime real estate, quote unquote, okay. back then. And then another piece of land that was given was kind of on the way Western portion of, of the community. And at that point, kind of that was the kind of that kind of out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. at, at that time. Well, as time has morphed and changed, that kind of western portion mm -hmm. has become the 101 corridor. Kind of the eastern portion is more of kind of the natural preserve type of land. So either way, the land was broken up and, and given to individual Native American families. So that continues to this day. The, the land up and down the corridor is owned by either allottees, so individual Native American families, and we refer to that land as allotted land, or it's tribal land. So it's owned and controlled by the tribal government. So, you know, you will be driving up and down the 101 and, and you may see a development uh, like uh, the pavilions at Talking Stick, for mm -hmm. example, and you'll see that there's a kind of southern boundary and that development just stops and then there's open land, and then another development just starts. And people say, well, why, why is there that open land? Well, it's because there are different landowners in all of those groupings of land that developers are working with or the tribe is working with to bring development onto the community. So as a developer, rather than going on and purchasing a piece of land as you would in other parts of the valley, you would come on and you would work on a long-term land lease with uh, the individuals that own that land. And a lot by long-term, you mean? Uh, up to 99 years. Okay, that's so, what I thought. Yeah. Thank you. And that could be one landowner or that could be 200 landowners. So throughout time, as mm. you know, families grew and mm. fractionalized and all, uh, the ownership stake of, on those parcels grew or shrank and then grew and adjusted um, again to make it today that, you know, it depends on uh, the, the parcel, depends on the number of, of people that uh, kind of are are the controlling interest of that parcel. And also it, it depends on if that group of, of uh, you know, family members or, or community members even have an interest in developing. You know, there are individuals that say, no, this is in not an area that I'm interested in developing, no matter how big that lease check may be. You know, it's it's a really it's a you know, I see you shaking yeah. your head, Melina. It's like, yeah, you hear, see it or hear it all the time. So some of the what we would consider prime land, maybe right off the 101. There's some that just have no desire to do anything with it. And I think that's mostly a cultural difference. I was wondering if not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's there's a saying that I I've heard periodically through my my time. I've been with the community almost 12 years and and heard individuals say land is forever but money burns. So it's something that, you know, m the land will always be there. You know, the money won't yeah. always be there. So whether it is that the, there's not an interest to develop today, mm -hmm. uh, there may be interest to develop in the future, but there's no need to rush into anything. So, you know, different families have different mentalities and and through the long-term land leases, the interested families um, or the, the tribal government will, you know, work with groups like a Great Wolf Lodge of the World and, mm -hmm. right. you know, other developers to bring development in. So um, it, that might instantly sound extremely complicated, but I would tell you it really isn't. And, and that's why we have, you know, in our department itself, that's why we have 84 people to be able to kind of work through those, to have the landowner relations, to, to have those communication, to have those processes. You know, we, we obviously are going to kind of toot our own horn a bit, but uh, we hear a lot of times that our process, once people get in it, is actually easier than a lot of other municipalities. 
but it's just a mystery to, yeah. to, to many. It's the mystery. Yeah, it's like, I've, I've never done this before, so it's got to be hard. So, so yeah, I'm talking. So you really hogging you, all the questions, no, man. I've got all the good ones. <laughs> oh, we'll leave his bad ones for later. So it, it really can turn into just getting a family at the table or whatever it is, whatever the case may be, and working through the details, negotiating. Exactly. So, so I'm in Ohio. Well, that's boy. amazing to I, me. I, I'm from Ohio and there's a lot of farmland around mm-hmm, Ohio. Say. You know, it's, it's very similar. I've, I've seen a lot of comparisons, kind mm-hmm. of the, the rural farming community to, you know, a, a salt river where, you know, I, I have family that, you know, owns uh, big farms and they have to decide, you know, what they're going to do with that. Is it going to become, you know, a solar farm? Is it going to become a shopping mall? And, you know, it's or an it's Intel too, fab site. <laughs> exactly. It, it's kind of the same mentality. And it's, you know, it impacts so many different people for so many different generations that, you know, people think it's unique just to Salt River, or just to tribal No, and you see but it the, on but, non-tribal land too. You see where exactly. farms are just not going to sell the farm. I don't care what they build around me. I'm not selling. And I think when you yeah. put that comparison, people are like, oh, get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it just, you know, because it's a, a, you know, a tribal community, sometimes just there's those blinders on of not thinking of of the comparison in the quote unquote real world for others. Well, you know, truly within Salt River, again, the process is is different. It's not challenging. It's not impossible. It's just different. So on that, can I go? Yeah, sure. Tag your Go ahead. Thanks for letting me have a spot. Go ahead. All right, back to you. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's it. So another one I always get is, you know, because we all drive that quarter all the time, is the ag difference. And do you guys then control, when I say you guys, you can control your own P&Z then from a planning and zoning standpoint as far as you have a, a lot more liberty, I would assume, to keep agricultural where it is versus if you want to do a development for industrial or like a McKesson or whomever, right? You guys have that 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 luxury of determining that without going through a big formal review or how does that work? Correct. I mean, we, we are a municipality just like anybody else, just like, you know, the city of Scottsdale, city of hmm. Phoenix, we have, you know, our planning and zoning department. I said that Melina and I are, are next to each other all, all across the hall, right across the other hall is, you know, our, the head of our, our planning division and, you know, they control all of the, the zoning and, and um, we do have the capabilities of changing things as needed, but, you know, we go through our formal processes to do so. You know, we have our, our general plan to be able to kind of orchestrate what is going to go where. Probably about eight years ago, you would see a lot of ag leases on the western part of the 101. But as, you know, the the Talking Stick Entertainment kept growing and, you know, you're seeing hotels pop up and office buildings pop up and there happened to be, you know, farming directly across the street that causes dust issues and other mm. things like that. It, you know, it was the determination of, of council that, you know, we are going to relocate, you know, the ag leases to the, to the east side of uh, the 101. You know, that that's beneficial in many different ways. One, it kind of helps the continuation of that development, but also, you know, ag leases are... Uh, you know, produce much less in revenue sure. than, you know, a commercial lease does. So it's looking at kind of that big picture and, you know, what's going to be beneficial to to the community, but also to the landowners. And uh, most of the landowners being a lotees, it's looking out for the community at large and what could be the, the, the most beneficial for everybody. And I think, sorry, I, no, no, I just go think ahead. that uh, an important point, point to make too, when we're talking about the decision-making processes and the planning and the vision, the bigger pictures, is the seven generation generation philosophy, because Mm. that is where really development was born for Salt River. Um, And I don't know if you're familiar with the seven generational philosophy, but um, essentially it's that, you know, every decision that's made by leadership should be made with 
the uh, mentality that this is going to, how is this decision going to affect those seven generations from now? So those important decisions, they're all made uh, very calculated and strategically because that philosophy is always, you know, in the back of our head. And that's being utilized, I would assume, for years. Yes. So actually how, you know, it's all kind of born, and I'm sure we'll touch more about it, you know, um, is the the pavilions, that talking stick. Mm -hmm. So that whole development and the whole uh, basis was the seven generational, uh, seven generation philosophy is how can we uh, make sure that we are um, securing the future of our members seven generations from now and how can all, how it, it all boils down to the benefit of the community members. So, you know, income or, you know, developments that come to the community in turn help to, as Aaron mentioned, you know, we're our own municipality. So we run our own departments, our infrastructure Mm -hmm. programs and all of that, you know, that comes from the development side of things. So even things such as, you know, um, cultural knowledge and making sure that we're perpetuating and sustaining cultural knowledge. We need our funding from our programs and things like that to be able to preserve those things that are super, you know, very important to us. And so that's kind of how the larger picture of everything too, Mm. and the decision-making and the planning and all of those things that kind of all come together in this, this large. Yeah, it's fascinating really. So it, although it's very much like what we all think of government, it's very, there's other, other things that are important, not as in typical government. There's I would assume there's a, is there's a tribal council mm-hmm. that creates these, uh, not these laws, but makes sure that these are upheld. I'm, I'm almost wanting to say traditions because they've been around. I would assume that that's not just this seven, you know, this seven generations. They did this, you know. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating really stuff. Cultural paradigms and, th- and things like that. I do have, I get this question all the time, and maybe you can help the audience Um is there any federal oversight from BIA in any of the things you do? And how does that work? There is. So, uh, you know, all tribal governments uh, have uh, kind of a mandate and an oversight by BIA. Um, you know, throughout time, the community, the Salt River community, has actually taken a lot of those responsibilities in-house as kind of become a self-governed community. And that's beneficial to both Salt sure. River oh, yeah. and to the BIA because, you know, if we can do 95% of what the BIA needed to do, and then, you know, they're just kind of the final reviewer and final sign-off, you know, it, it helps us uh, and them be a little more efficient and, and you know, be more progressive. So we actually have uh, like a, a land titles and records office within the community, mm. which is something that a lot of tribal governments do not have. And they they rely on, you know, BIA or, or other organizations to kind of do those services. So um, we have the benefit of kind of the, the trust from experience from the BIA to say, you know, you guys do all of this because you understand our processes. You understand kind of what a, a final lease product is mm-hmm. going to look like. You understand where our kind of our hot buttons are. You, you know, you are always looking out for the community members um, as a whole uh, for their benefit for today and the seven generational thinking. And then we, we orchestrate with the BIA, uh, you know, on a regular basis to finalize things. So um, we are less, reliant on them, mm-hmm. um, but they're obviously a, a fantastic partner in, in all of the community. Have you, in your 12-year tenure, 
Was that always the case, or have you seen an increase lately? An increase lately. Okay, because yeah. of your sophistication and everything you guys are doing. Exactly. And we'll get in that in just a second. Let's take a break oh, real quick. Okay. Um, Thank and you. Hear from our sponsor, and then we're going to dive into that one. Tory Contracting, your full-service Division Nine contractor. Tory Contracting operates with a smaller, hands-on team. This cohesive structure results in superior workmanship and economical solutions. We deliver projects with unsurpassed commitment to quality and stewardship of budget. Tory Contracting, small enough to listen, big enough to deliver. So on that note, I've been out here for 38 years or so. He's 39 years old, by the yeah. way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, but land sat for years and nothing happened. And it seems over the last, I don't even know, I can't even think of what that period is you're about to tell me. What changed and why do we see the growth and do we see that all that building and construction going on out there? So you're, you're not wrong. You know, things have definitely ramped up to, you know, the, the naked eye mm-hmm. within the last 15 years or so. But I think what a, a lot of people tend to forget is the infrastructure before, you know, a shovel goes in the ground for development is, is what needs to come in first. And, sure. you know, you, you look at, you know, other municipalities and, you know, how much time it took for them to, you know, put in the utilities and the roads and all the one-on-one, you know, didn't come until the nineties. And that was a, you know, a big contributor to, to traffic. Sure. Um, you know, at that point you would see that the, there were no even East West roads kind of going within the, community. I remember when it was just Pima, when it was mostly, yeah. It's, wasn't it Pima? Yes. That's, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 So there was, there was many, many years of, of not only creating the infrastructure, but creating the processes. And, you know, the, the community uh, throughout time had different revenue sources like our, you know, sand and gravel operation mm-hmm. and our landfill and, and, you know, some other revenue sources. But, you know, the, the big catalyst um, was gaming. And gaming was gave the, that, the community yeah. the opportunity to really then reinvest a lot of those funds back into infrastructure and the ability to grow and to the ability to plan. And, um, you know, in the, in the 90s, there was a, uh, there was a, you know, a, a famous architect named Charles Schiffner that actually came in and and he did a, uh, these listening sessions is what they called it and talked to the community as the 101 was coming and said, what do you want to see? You know, we're about ready to hit a new time in the community where there's going to be some opportunities for development. And what do you, what do you see that looking like and, and kind of listen to the community. And, and that really had become kind of a, a blueprint of, of what the community wanted to see, both development-wise and, and kind of cultural influences. And, and I think that's a great example of, you know, it, it's not a, all right, 101's coming, we've got infrastructure in, let's, you know, let's go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. It goes back to that long-term thinking and long-term planning. And, you know, once the infrastructure came in and, and you know, the infrastructure, not only the physical in the ground, but the infrastructure within the government, you know, and, and staff started being built and all, you know, you, you, if you ever have the opportunity to come to the Two Waters government campus, it is a beautiful mm-hmm. campus. Well, it hasn't always been there. You know, it used to be modular buildings where, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I heard the stories of, you know, there's, you know, a, a handful of guys in one pickup truck uh, that were running the government and, uh, <laughs> 
seriously, know, truly. And you know, just throughout time, as you know, as some revenue started being produced, you know, things could grow and grow and grow. So just you know, it it, it really took baby steps, and uh, you know, it, it nothing happened just overnight. But as you know, things got finalized and opportunities became a reality. That's when you saw a lot of the development happening with, you know, with with office and it really was kind of the first catalyst and with Talking Stick Golf Club and, you know, things just kind of baby stepped from there and we started catching up. Yeah. So it was all of all of these little baby steps that got us finally to the place where she could have a job and you could worry about tourism. Uh, uh, yep. For years, there was mm-hmm. tourism. What are you talking about tourism? Um, it really is becoming more of a place, a destination, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. That's, that's why, why she that's has why, a job and you don't, Robert. Yeah. Job. I'm like, that was just so seamless. It really does become a destination, and and even more so, I see now that you mention it like that. Over the last three, four years, when you get you know getting things like the Great Wolf Lodge, and you're getting White Castle hamburgers. That's a destination. Oh man, that was. Yeah. A- <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Agreed. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. That's a that's a thirty minute part yeah. of the podcast. Oh wow. Right now. <laughs> but but it does become interesting. Touch on that a little bit about and and maybe the planning behind there. Obviously had to be that had to been part of the vision. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, as Aaron mentioned, you know, as the resort came and we had more entertainment, you know, district partners and we had more to be able to market and to be able to share. And it's we're now at a place where it's very diverse as far as entertainment partners go. So we can accommodate a bachelor party. And at the same time, there's a birthday party, you know, Mm -hmm. going on in the district. So it's uh, the diversification, I think, for the different demographics that the area hits has, it just is so seamless really. Um, and it's, it just makes sense. Um, especially with talking or sorry, Salt River Fields there and the events that they bring year round really. And then going into spring trainings, you know, spring training really being the heart of destination travel in Salt River and all of the hospitality partners that have, you know, been popping up in the last couple of years and the last five years. So now we have about six hospitality partners that all hit, you know, different demographics and different uses really mm-hmm. um, in Great Wolf Lodge. But then you've also got Staybridge. We've got some long-term, mm-hmm. um, we've got Residence Inn is there. And then of course, Talking Stick, our gaming property, this is there. So it's very kind of different situations there too. Is um, another question I hear all the time, is Talking Stick going to expand the resort and golf at all? Or is it, is there any? Oh, she's got the smile. She's like, oh, he's going to ask that. (laughs) Well, I'm just asking the questions that we get. I don't know if you have noticed or or driven by lately, but we, there is a tent outside. So there is an expansion. The poker room is being, you know, expanded. We've also got Casino Arizona that continues right. to, uh, you know, be refreshed and reworked as well. Um, and then there's also some, if you'll notice, some fencing and things going on at the golf course right now. So they're undergoing. So the answer is 
Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's not a mystery yeah. to kind of piggyback on that. So, you know, that without getting into the details, the, the Arizona gaming compact change, you know, mm-hmm. the, the sports betting, which came to the Valley was, you know, a big element of that. And it, it gave tribes the opportunity to kind of expand some of the gaming operations. Mm. And as you can imagine, um, the, the square footage that is at, you know, many of the gaming properties throughout the Valley was built to support the previous limits of gaming. And, and those limits have increased. So, you know, there are some great opportunities for us to expand our properties uh, temporarily right now with these tents. And, you know, we'll see what uh, what that looks like in the future for, you know, some some uh, additional growth and improvement. But uh, I mean, there's always something happening at the gaming properties as they're kind of improving and new technologies kind of evolving. In. Exactly. And- I mean, they they have construction happening all the time uh, to, just to, to, yeah. to keep uh, you know ahead of the curve of sorts. So the other one we always get, at least in the construction space, is what are you guys going to do with the big, cool corner? I call it the inside the Hayden McKellips loop where the Phoenix Rising used to play. Yep. Is that still in the in the long-term play? Is that going to be a, a large sporting complex that you guys are going to help co-develop? Or is there anything you can tell the audience in, in that area? Sure. Happy to to mention that. So on the, the west side of the 101, um, that area where Phoenix Rising was, that you know, they've also had some great temporary uses with the Cavalia kind of traveling Correct. horse show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a group of, of allotted land. So there's a lot of allottees that uh, you have a development group that are kind of looking at that seven generational uh, kind of mindset mm-hmm. uh, to build something. So we as a tribe, um, you know, we are not the ones kind of master planning and developing it. It's, you know, the land owners and working with their development group to look at those opportunities. They will absolutely be bringing some some great things. Uh, right now, there's you know nothing that is is it's, there's public, nothing imminent you know, or yeah, public. Yeah, yeah nothing it. imminent is a, a great way to put it. But you know they do things very strategic and you know again with the long term. But you talk about utilities. I mean that area needs uh, utilities brought to it. So mm. we've been working with them and you know improving the utilities access and and all. Um, again, people look at that prime real estate and say, let's put a shovel in the ground yesterday. Well, we, we have a lot of kind of behind the scenes work. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's you know, a great vision by the group and it's, you know, a, a great community kind of working with them to, to get it ready. So, um, yeah, it's it's a prime, prime location. So uh, someday, yes, something great will happen, but uh, nothing imminent. Good. Is there any plans to go farther east with development than what you see now? Is that staying primarily? Is the, is the seven-generational plan for it to stay ag mostly going or residential or the lattes. Yeah. So we definitely encourage people to stay, you know, on the Western border of everything. That is the focus because the, because there is residential there. And that's also where a lot of the natural preserve is as well. We've got Red Mountain there, which is closed off to the public, and right. it's a sacred mountain for us culturally. And okay, where's where's where Red Mountain? Between oh, oh farther east. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. thank you. I'm you know, going west. Yeah, going okay, I know Fountain, where you're talking going about. Going up to now. Fountain Hills. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So that is kind of just a little side note, geographically yeah. speaking, is that is kind of like our beacon to home. You know, every time you know we're going on the freeway or we're coming, even if it's from like a weekend trip or anything like that, like when we see Red Mountain to us, that just symbolizes home for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a sacred space, and it's you know closed off to the public and. It, People see these beautiful 
views that you can see from Talking Stick Resort and, you know, like all different top mm-hmm. golf and things like that where mm-hmm. you have these amazing, incredible views. But don't, you can look, but, yeah, <laughs> don't, but don't, don't, don't yeah. travel over yeah. there. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly why, actually. It closed, it was open up into the public um, up until the 80s. And then they ended up closing it just because it was being vandalized. It was mm-hmm. not properly being cared right. for um, by guests and things like that. And so it was just time to close it um, so that we could preserve it for, you know, um, our our cultural sake. Sure. So, yeah, the focus is primarily will always be on the Western Corridor and for those purposes, you know, to preserve the land and our residents' privacy, you know, it's sure. to have non-community members' tourism or, you know, all of which way traveling throughout the community is definitely not ideal for yeah, our community that, members. That makes sense. Makes it absolute does. sense. But thinking about that, so where Arizona Rising is, that's, uh, was that McKellips? And basically, McKellips in the 101, Correct. just south of that. Yep. What about all of the, the the mobile home places? Is that on tribal land as well, right there? Yeah. So the the uh, Shadow Mountain, the mobile home uh, community that is just north of McKellips, that is on on uh, within the community. Now boundaries. I had heard something years ago that that they were going to start moving those out of there before too long. So uh, there was a, a second uh, mobile home park on 92nd Street, kind of catty corner to Casino Arizona, uh, a property okay. called Roadrunner. That yep. lease uh, ended a couple uh, years ago, and uh, it was not renewed. So you know the the residents there gotcha. were moved out and. Um, you know, just like any leases, uh, sure. leases come to an end. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, can't say that Shadow Mountain will be there forever. But, you no. know, as of right now, they're currently under a, a lease. Interesting. Um, but on the, the east side of the 101 where, you know, Salt River Materials Group is with the, their oh, mining yeah. operation, mm-hmm. um, that would be the, the one area uh, sometime in the future that could be looked at for potential development. Um, you know, if there is development on kind of the east side, it would be kind of south of, of McKellips. That's the riverbed. You know, it the, is. Yeah. The riverbed is, has been such an important element for Salt River. You know, it's 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 been currency of sorts. So mm-hmm. you know, we're all dependent on it. <laughs> when, way back when, when you know the water was flowing, you know, water was currency, and it was sure. bringing you know farming, and it was is bringing life. You know, when water wasn't there any longer, the community found an alternative way to to bring currency to the community and, and turn it into a mining operation. You know, that mining operation is is coming to an end. Um, they're going to be relocating to a you know a plant on the B line, um, and you know once that mining operation is gone, you know the the final op opportunity of, of kind of currency could be there for future development. But again, nothing imminent, you know, uh, there, there still is a, a sand and gravel operation there with Salt River Materials Group, but that could be a future location for development. So besides the, the gaming, which is obviously East and the Odyssey, which is up, you know, which I, you know, entertainment. Yeah, there really isn't anything East, is there? Now that I think about it, I mean, it's mostly mostly to the well, west. Well, you have a, you must have a, re- a lease with the community college as well because they're on the oh, east side. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that, that's there. Correct. Am I right? That is correct. Yeah, that's a long term lease. But you know, that, that being an educational institution, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have anything commercial, uh, mm-hmm. essentially north of the canal. 
Um, Which so, makes sense. You yeah. know, nothing uh, right now, nothing north of or south of Talking Stick Way. There could be development south of Talking Stick Way, kind of going to the canal, but that's as far south as you will see development to kind of up and down the the 101 corridor. You know, we have a kind of a zoning district called the Pima Corridor that kind of restricts those to to keep the ag leases and you know, there's a right. lot of residential and natural preserve kind of intact. So I'm curious, I, I'm going to switch it more from development to more community-based for a minute. What has, what has all this development allowed the community to do closer to home in the agricultural and residential areas for development for the natives? Yeah, so we actually broke ground on a couple of housing developments as well. So people, I guess, maybe overlook, like we still need a lot of infrastructure as far as housing and Mm -hmm. residential goes. Mm -hmm. And so the development that happens in the Pima corridor directly correlates to the community services that are needed for residents. Very, very interesting. So how does a Great Wolf Lodge decide that's where I want to go over any other place? Great Wolf is is kind of a, a fantastic success story for the community and and kind of touch on a, a few different layers. So with the seven generational thinking, I, I think one of the things that I've been the, the most impressed with Salt River is how much behind the scenes analysis and kind of review takes place before even a single phone call may happen. And the community is always looking at feasibility studies and market studies to show, you know, what is the the area going to support? You know, where are we going to, you know, not monopolize, uh, you know, uh, potentially our other businesses where, you know, I joke and say that's why you didn't see, you know, CrossFit gyms popping up around every corner because they were kind of flashing the pan concepts um, for a while where you felt like, like a Starbucks, they were on every corner. Everything is very well thought out. And as Salt River Fields was being constructed, as, you know, Talking Stick Resort was going from the the tents to the Vegas-style casino and resort that it is today, the community continued to do these feasibility studies and said, you know, what are we missing? One thing that kept popping up was a a family-oriented resort. And, you know, they, they use names like Great Wolf Lodge in the example. And we said, yeah, you know, that, that'd be great. That'd be great. And then all of a sudden, this show called Undercover Boss happened, and they featured Great Wolf Lodge. And there was something about that episode that there were multiple uh, leaders within the community that saw it and saw the family-oriented organization. Swear, really? Family-oriented organization and said, you know what, that there's something special about that company. We came back and said, we really like that episode. They keep mentioning a brand like that in these feasibility studies. Maybe we should make a phone call. And, uh, you know, that was that was years ago. And, and uh, you know, our director of our department and community development actually made a phone call and it didn't really go anywhere. Long story short, a couple of years later, uh, I had kind of moved positions and was over in, in community development and it was kind of told this story. And I said, hey, you know what? I actually know somebody that works at Great Wolf Lodge. Why don't I make a phone call? And so I called that person who called this person who called this person who called this person. And I ended up getting the uh, phone number for their development uh, head and called him. And somehow I had gotten his home phone number uh, <laughs> and called. He's kind of like, how did you get this number? And I'm like, I'm not going to share my sources, mm-hmm, but yeah. uh, I called him and I said, we just love to introduce you to the community. And as many people do that may not be familiar with Salt River, 
you, you kind of hear it in their voice and say, ah, you know what, tribal community, I, I don't know if we're, that's the right fit for us. We say, hold on, yeah. you know, in front of a computer, type in this address. Mm-hmm. And I, I frequently give the Salt River Fields address and, and all of a sudden the Google Maps shows and you can hear the tone in their voice change. They say, wow. Oh, got, because there is a lot. You have a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. You know, your proximity to a lot of, of, you know, residents, you know, within the neighboring municipalities, your proximity to airports, your, you know, uh, there's a lot of positives. And they say, yeah, let's, let's talk. So we started a conversation. We invited them out. They, hmm. they you know, stood on the, the lot where they eventually were and said, there's something special about this place. And, and uh, next thing we knew, uh, about four years later, uh, we're breaking ground. And, and one of the, the best things about it is we broke ground on a Friday and the project was first announced to the public on that Tuesday. And the amount of phone calls we got that said, this must have happened overnight. People said, we said, yeah, yeah, overnight, only four years overnight. And (laughs) they were just shocked of how quiet we were able to keep it. And that's one of the great things about the community is, is, uh, you know, that piece of land that it's on is, is tribal land. And, you know, there's no public tax dollars that go towards it. And, you know, it's, it's all within the community. So, you know, we, we, we can do things, you know, without having to, you know, put it in, you know, shining lights and scream it from the rooftop until it's, it's done. And, you know, it, it was an example of an organization that their their mentalities and their their thought process and their people aligned perfectly with the community. Uh, because I've seen a lot of projects that it could have been a great financial opportunity for the right. community, but you know, if, if the people and the the company's morals and all culturally just didn't yeah, yeah. don't match the community, it it's not going to be a long term partner. And Great Wolf just just tied in perfectly and and fascinating. We are we are here today with them and and we're we're honored to be one of their uh, uh, their locations and it's it's their second location within a, a tribal community. So we're we're very excited about. Were that. Were you the first though? No, uh, they actually have a relationship with the Chehalis tribe in the state of Washington. Okay, and I will tell you their their successful relationship up there was an, another you know, catalyst to make it a reality. A validator as yeah. much, yeah. Okay, awesome. We're gonna take another break and we'll finish up. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. What kind of things does Discover Salt River do to build that community awareness about these places and things? And where can people go to find out about that, about what all there is to do that destination? Yeah. So to kind of hit on your first question, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of it ties to a mirror of Great Wolf Lodge and the relationship that we have with Salt River, because that is echoed throughout the community Um, as far as relationship and just like that strong networking and those those uh, community ties. I have never really experienced anything. So like everybody is just so willing to be a good, great partner. And it's the same. They know that they'll receive that um, right back. And so that is what really helps us as a DMO to be able to work together and do events together to that way we can promote the district as a whole um, and as a destination um, is everybody 
playing nicely in the sandbox, so to speak, you know, and yeah. which we have that. And it's just a very unique. It's got to be refreshing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so great to know that you have, you know, that partnership with them, especially. And I'll just give an example because our hospitality partners have just knocked it out of the park with their partnership is recently we had terrible monsoons and it affected our residents. You know, some homes were completely destroyed. And that happened in July. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of on the news and mm-hmm. it was all of this. And they opened their arms and their partnership was so solid. Their camaraderie was there and they helped the community and their families and helped us lodge families that didn't have a home to go to that night. And it was all like that. You know, we got a phone call and we're like, hey, we need to place. We had placed over like 200 families. And that was all at your hospitality partners all through. And that was all through like just, you know, that that that's the type of, you know, relationships that are built here is it's Mm -hmm. it's more than that financial side of things. You know, it's truly a community. And, um, you know, as I said, from a DMO perspective, it helps us because we all can work together to create, you know, amazing marketing campaigns together and really establish the Talking Stick Entertainment District as a destination. And so as far as, you know, the the second question, where can everybody find? So we're Mm -hmm. on socials. Talking Stick AZ is the handle for Talking Stick Entertainment District, but also Discover Salt River. We have a website. We're also on socials and can kind of keep up to date um, on the things that are going on, all of the ongoings. You know, we've got newsletters and all of that sort of thing as well. So You you mentioned that Salt River Fields does stuff year round. I I mean, I know there's been food truck things and I get all that, but what, what, what are like some of the bigger... So this fall season is actually super, super exciting. We've got an amazing lineup. We've got Spooktacular will be here. Arizona Barrels, Bottles, and Brews. (laughs) Say that fast. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Arizona Wine Festival will be here, too. I'm missing probably a couple of others. Uh, It's hard to keep up. They have something going on every weekend, whether it's for kids or for, Mm -hmm. you know, the adults. SaltRiverFields.com. We've got such, you know, fabulous weather that, I mean, there is no winter. Really? Yeah. What are you looking at over there? You got something to say? Nothing. Just looking at. Go ahead. She, I was going to say, I cannot believe I almost forgot. Enchant. Enchant is coming for the first time to Salt River Fields. It's coming this Christmas season. Now, what is Enchant? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, to me, basically, it looks like a Christmas light Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look out. So, it'll be, yeah, that'll yeah. be packed. Yeah, it's going to be really A drive through It's not a drive through oh, You go in very good. and a, uh, it's an interactive space. They've got like a, an opportunity to where you can ice skate through. And oh, wow. Santa's there and Mrs. Claus is there and they have an ice bar that's there too. So it's kind of, um, I think it, it's going to be amazing. So. That really sounds neat. I mean, the reason I said the drive through that kind of become a big thing the last two or three years. I've seen them, you know, that pop. I don't know if you remember the names of them. When you said that, I thought, oh, it's got to be one of those. No, I think this is even a step above. Yeah, this is the post-pandemic yeah. where people mm-hmm. can actually get out of the oh, car. Oh, gotcha. Experience, yeah. <laughs> don't have to just don't have to be locked in your car anymore, <laughs> Robert. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to piggyback on something Melina said because it, it's helped our world in the development side. And I, I think she's not giving herself enough credit and the team enough credit. But, you know, I, I mentioned Great Wolf Lodge and how I had to introduce them over the phone mm-hmm. to, you know, Salt River and the Talking Stick Entertainment District. I mean, that was 
six, seven years ago when I had to do that. These conversations today are so much easier because mm. the tourism team has done a, such a great job of kind of marketing the area. And a lot of times it's in places that you may not see, we may not see because they're out in other markets. You know, they're in feeder markets and they're, you know, introducing whether it's in Denver or Chicago or New York or, you know, wherever it may be to say, hey, come experience, come discover Salt River. So I, I know that I've I've been able to be helped when I, you know, think you're you're having a conversation with somebody, and you're like, all right, I have to go through the whole spiel of who we are. And they're like, no, we saw an ad, like we went, ended up on the newspaper, or, you know, we, we've been to a spring training game, or we've been to the resort, or we've played golf, or we've done this, or we've done that. And I'm like, well, you just made my job way easier. Yeah, it makes so, people I seek mean, you out as opposed to you having to go seek them out. And that's one of the, the unique things about a tourism office is, is what they do. You know, locals may not always see that um, yep. because you're, you're familiar. You hear talking stick and you, your mind goes somewhere specifically, you know, that they're out there to, to introduce the brand to, to people that have never seen it before. So uh, I know on the development side, we're so grateful in what they do because they've made our job a heck sure. of a lot easier by kind of increasing the awareness of the brand. Sure. I got one. So Aaron, you did a great job of, well, both of you did, of talking about the Great Wolf Lodge success story. But I don't, if you could, could we go a little bit further where I, I think we talked about it in kind of our pre-work here of what are the benefits of working with you as an entity in that development space so that the listeners or audience out there, if they have that same holistic alignment with you, whether it be a capital stack or something that they're looking for, what are those benefits so they can reach out to you? So th there are multiple benefits and, you know, some of these benefits are beneficial to, to, to some and some are, are not, you know, we have to look at it two ways. You know, we have to look at, you know, the uh, location as being one, one, you cannot beat the location that Salt River has for <laughs> development opportunities, but kind of putting on a different hat that again, some appreciate and some don't is we care, you know, because the landowners are, you know, they're, they're not just random corporations that are buying land and then developing out, you know, they're the constituents of council. They're, you know, the, they're the, the, the residents that, you know, everything that we do to help support, you know, the, the education and the medical and all the services on the municipality. I mean, we, we know the people that these developments are going to be working with for these long-term leases. So we're, we're more invested that it's going to be a successful development. You know, that's why our tourism team meets these developments early on and saying, all right, here's all the support you're going to get. And our tourism office is free. So, you know, a lot of municipalities, there's, you know, you have to pay this mm. membership fee to get all this and that. Everything that their office does is is free. Um, and, and we, you know, we do that because we have kind of that all boats rise mentality is, you know, the more successful a business is, the more successful we all are from the landowners to the government, to, you know, as a tax revenue, uh, you know, uh, collector um, to the businesses itself. So, you know, location, I mean, it's going to be great, but also there's, there's a level of, of caring. And I think a lot of people that have come to the community are kind of blown away by that because, you know, they get that personal experience. And I think that that's why, you know, yes, we may be unique. We may be a little different, but if you're willing to kind of learn and experience it very quickly, you'll realize it's not that difficult. It's not that mysterious. And we'll work with partners to, to go through the process. I got one. We had an audience question. Sorry, Aaron, this is for you. What made you get into your line of work? <laughs> 
All right. So do we have another hour here? Uh, so to give a very quick background, you know, I had the opportunity to, to start working with the community almost 12 years ago as the head of sales and marketing at Salt River Fields, the spring training oh. facility. So I actually worked in the, the minor league baseball world for many years before that. And, and baseball brought me to Salt River. And uh, so I was there for, you know, about four and a half years and, and you know, the government and I got to know each other very well and, <laughs> you know, an, an opportunity to kind of move over to the government side and help with the growth of special projects is kind of what we called it presented itself. And it would, you know, it, you could tell kind of the family oriented uh, organization and you could tell the long term thinking and you could tell, you know, it's just amazing people. It was a lot of, hey, if you're willing to jump over here and kind of work through this with us, we're willing to uh, figure it out alongside with you. And I had the opportunity to move over to the government and, and help with the tourism team. But as they've grown, I've kind of stepped away. You know, we have, again, have a great uh, group of people that does kind of the development and leasing. I've been able to work with them, kind of work on a lot of special projects. So it's been, what, six or so years ago, six and a half years that I stepped over and, and had no idea what I truly was stepping into. And I've, I've you know, tapped into the real estate world sure. and the development world. And I'm, I'm not, a, not a real estate agent. I'm not a developer. I'm not a construction guy. Um, but I've, I've had a great opportunity to kind of help project manage a lot of these and, you know, help with relationship building because, uh, you know, that the government didn't have a, a lot of those entities. A lot of it was react you know, um, as people were reaching out and this gave the opportunity to kind of go a little on the offense, like the great yeah. wolf example of, you know, making phone calls and working with our developers and all. So 12 years ago, I would have never guessed this is where it would be, but you know, it's a, it's an unbelievable organization and I'm so glad it worked out the way it did. That's so, great. Yeah. And how, how do people get a, what, what were you going to say? I was going to steal was, your line. Were you? There's probably some obvious parts of what made you do what you do, but like, you know, from your point of view, what, why do you choose to do what you're doing? So I actually came from Talking Stick Resort. So both of us came from enterprises and, and landed on the government sector, which has been super, you know, amazing. But for me, the decision to go into tourism specifically um, stems from the cultural value of hospitality. Um, which is something that has carried on, you know, even since the gold rush, uh, Salt River has been a place for, you know, if people were traveling to California where they would stop and they would find shelter and they would be able to get fed for the night and then carry on. And so that has really resonated with me, but also my great grandparents were involved in some of the center, seven generational uh, conversations and that sort of thing. And when the tourism opportunity came, I just, it felt, you know, in my heart, right, you know, especially to carry on that kind of legacy, I guess, so to speak. But, um, and that, that traditional value too has just been um, an, an, an amazing journey. And it's, you know, made me be so passionate. And I find that a lot of people. You can sense your passion. Yeah. yeah. It's a perfect spot for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know. She's not elevated off mm -hmm. the chair at all, by the <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think a lot of people who find themselves in tourism and hospitality do so by accident. Like, yeah. it's always just like, how did I end up here? I don't know. <laughs> but it's a perfect fit. And here we go. Like, this is how it is. Awesome. So. How do we get a hold of you? How, do our, how does our audience get a hold of you if we want to hear more, find out more? I guess through, you know, our email is the best. Okay. And we can, I don't know. You can find that through your website? Yep. We, okay. Actually, both of our emails are listed on the Discover Salt River website. Discover Oops. Salt River. Salt, That's the key. Salt River. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Awesome. And we'll post that on all of our yep. social, social media, media. follow-up. It's been fantastic. 
I mean, it, I, I've been blown away. There's, I've, I've learned a lot. You know, I mean, ah, you think you know, all you think you no. know, all you've heard. You know, now I know. Um, it's been fantastic. Your energy Thanks. was great and your information yeah. was even better. Yeah, unbelievable. We'll have you on again sometime, probably a year from now, so when uh, Salt River looks completely different than it does <laughs> Then you can talk about new things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, see you next week. Daryl, we'll see you next week. Get Take out us out of here, here Daryl. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Tory Contracting and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. And tune in live every Monday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.